Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. I'm Corey Sabin, marketing strategist, joined by Kathleen Scott. How are you? Hello, doing well. So <laughs> let's talk about non-competes. So often people sign them, they want to get the job, and then all of a sudden, a year or two later, they're stuck in this agreement. How do they get out of it? So non-compete, non-disclosure agreements, confidentiality agreements have to be signed. So let's start there. So did you sign it? That's- yes. Okay, so because um, often we can get people out of the signature one. So ask for a copy of what you signed. Sometimes your employer doesn't have it. That can be a good strategy. If it's not signed and they can't produce a signed copy, then it goes away. So let's assume it is signed or the employer can produce a signed copy. The next question is, um, why do they need it, right? So what you're doing is going to control. So what? why do they need it is a question for the employer. Is it? Are you working with trade secrets? Is it this recipe for Coca-Cola you have over there? I mean, what's going on in your workplace environment that would require to have a non-compete? So in this hypothetical, what are you doing? Well, I worked as a news guy, and you had to sign a non-compete. So news guy story is t- so what are you what are they giving you access to that you can't get either training or some client? Nothing. But do you have access to like maybe news feeds that you wouldn't ordinarily have access to? No, because every station gets the same feeds. And advertisers maybe. Possibly. Okay. So that might be something that they could use. Like if you have a a clientele or sponsorships or advertisers in your world, that would be something they work really hard to develop and get money. That's, you know, the bread and butter, right, of a news organization, I'm imagining. But I just think of non-compete, much like when you sign that lease that you want to get out of in the apartment in college. Well, and now I'm dating a girl and I want to go live with her. So let's get out of this. Yeah, it's not so easy to get out of your lease, is it? No, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's not yeah. so easy to get out of your non-compete either. But there are ways. I mean, one thing you can do is look at whether your new position that you're considering um, truly is competing. So there can be differences, right? So if you are selling Mercedes-Benz and you leave to go work for a BMW dealership, you can make the argument that maybe those two things aren't the same. Um, maybe they're close enough kind of styles of car that they are. It might be more clear if maybe you were going to go sell, um, I don't know, motorcycles and you had previously worked for Lexus. Those things are different enough and maybe not competing. Um, so if the two companies don't compete, you're probably fine. But there's not just the competitive aspects um, of a non-compete. There's also like the non-solicit. And that's where it gets really tough, Right. So you can't reach out to your former customers. So can you call everybody that you sold a motorcycle to to see if maybe now they're interested in buying a different level of car? Maybe or maybe not, depending on whether those two organizations compete with each other. So so before signing it, what should you ask your boss or a potential boss? So I would find out if they're going to make you sit out and not get paid to do the thing that is your craft to do your work. They probably ought to pay you for that. So I would try to negotiate, we call it garden leave in other countries. So the idea is if you have to sit out and not compete, maybe they should compensate you for that. And that'd be one thing to negotiate. The other thing would be to make it as least restrictive as possible. So maybe you get handed a piece of paper that says you can't work for two years. Maybe you can reduce it down to six months or even a year. So don't sign it as is if you can avoid that. Now, oftentimes employers are going to say, we're not going to negotiate that. Did they ever negotiate yours? No. And what you would say is, oh, I need to say, well, we're going to have to send it to the lawyers and then you won't be able to start. 
and the start date is here and you're already here. So what are we going to do? Right. So they hold it like a carrot. You can't exactly. you can only get the job if you sign it. And that's often true. Um, that doesn't make it unenforceable. So what you have to do then, it sounds like you're in that hypothetical, you're going to have an enforceable agreement. And then we have to look to, well, how can we defend against the enforcement of it? And some things you can do are look at things the way the employer has treated you. Did they pay you properly? Do they owe you commissions? Did they mistreat you in some way? Usually the best um, defense is an offense. So what is considered confidential information? You had brought that up earlier. Yeah, so having something confidential can be the basis of why you need a non-compete, like the recipe for Coke, I think is what I was talking about. Sure. But not everything's confident. I'll tell you a great story. So had the pleasure of representing um, not a news person, but someone that worked for a, a um, newspaper, who a pretty exclusive newspaper that had pretty high-end clientele. And so one morning, this gentleman got up at like 4 o'clock in the morning on his bicycle and followed the delivery truck that was handing out newspapers and wrote down the addresses of everywhere <laughs> there was a customer of the yeah. newspaper. He developed his own customer list, if you will. So when the company tried to enforce the restrictive covenant against him, that's what it's called, non-competes of restrictive covenant, um, he said, well, I didn't use your confidential information. I went out and created it myself through public knowledge. I just followed the truck around. And that worked. That worked. Um, another crazy example. Mm. So that's not. So he took something that could have been confidential, but since it was publicly known through effort on, on his own, sure. he got he'd used his whole you know the shoe leather express to f- find the names of those <laughs> customers. That worked. So it no longer was confidential. Trade shows are another good example. Let's say you're in an industry where every person you sell to goes to an annual trade show. Doctor organizations are like this, right, where if you're selling like a medical device, by example, and you go to the trade show where all the people who buy that medical device are there, well, and you go around, you walk around, you meet all those people, and you pay to go to the trade show, and your employer didn't send you to the trade show, that's an example of how something that might ordinarily be confidential, like the identity of all the people who buy your product, becomes not so confidential because here they are out in the open. So if you can obtain it, to answer your question, if you can obtain something through public means or it's public record, then it isn't confidential anymore. So getting out of the non-competes, pretty difficult. It can be, yeah. Focus on competition if you're not doing a job that's truly competitive or if it's outside the reach of that company. So Got let's it. say you're, yeah, yeah, or your sales in Palm Beach County, but you're going to go take a new job in Martin. If you had no contact with Martin County, it's probably okay. And I think one of the big takeaways is the words on the page don't matter as much as you think they do. Because the court's ultimately going to look at them and decide which of those words can be enforceable and how far and how long. So they're going to reduce it or expand it accordingly. Then you mentioned an NDA. Yeah. What are some of the challenges with those? Very similar. Um, Company has to have a legitimate reason to have an NDA, and it has to extend to the same, like, reach uh, of the employee's job. So if you're like, oh, if you work here, good example, um, a company that might have 20 locations, but you only worked at one of those locations, right? So you're like, well, I'm going to go work over here at this place in this county that I didn't have any contact with during my employment, but the company you worked for has a center there. Can they stop you from working? The answer is generally no. So it's the same general type of analysis. You can't talk about customers. You can't disclose confidential information. Um, You shouldn't do that anyway, frankly. You don't need a piece of paper to tell you that, right? Um, But not all things are equal. So if you learn something, an NDA can prevent you from, like if you have a customer base and you know how your company sells to them, how they can make money, where the discounts are, how they get to the number they get to. And you take that competitive knowledge and you go over to new company, ABC company. You're like, oh, 
I can sell to this client now because I know how my former employer sold to them. I know what to say. Or I know that guy likes walnuts, so I'm going to bring him some walnuts. That could be That's crazy, right? But that could be considered kind of like confidential information that you learned while you're still employed. And you can't use that to a competitive disadvantage. You know, I'm thinking of some of the NDAs I've signed and the non-competes that I've signed. And thankfully, I've never really had to get out of them. But it's the... It's interesting to hear some of the ways that you can, and really, ultimately, it just comes down to the court determining what, if you have a right based on the new position you're taking or why you left or narrowing something down. Your court and having a very good lawyer helps, too, because uh, <laughs> there are... <laughs> Selfless plug. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but seriously, a Shameless lot... Shameless plug, I should say. A lot of people who are faced with a non-compete action being filed against them probably can't afford to spend the time and money to get out of it, right? And so some people just make the decision, well, I'm going to sit back and let the time run because that's a safer financial decision for me, and then I'll come back into that competitive workforce later on. So having the right legal counsel at the right price points is important. Do you too. get calls on that? All the time. So you get a call on it. Well, let's just give someone some uh, some free advice. Yeah. Some free tips, we'll call it. Yeah. So it's not advice. They signed a non-compete. They want to get out of it. They're going to say, well, I can't afford you. Can you at least give them three or four things they should look at and try to navigate on their own? Sure. So if you have a non-compete situation, maybe try just talking to your employer before you leave about it. I mean, it's shocking how simple that sounds, but, you know, making the assumption that they're going to enforce it to the full extent that it's written may not be true. So you can go to your employer and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I will honor your confidential secrets. I don't intend to take my customer list with me. I don't intend to do anything other than I do want to stay in the industry. That's how I make my living. That's my bend. Let's work it out. Sometimes they can work it out. Sometimes they can't. Either way, you haven't lost anything because they're going to know as soon as you go work for a competitive company anyway. So telling them isn't really a terrible idea. The other thing you want to know is find out if they've enforced it against other people. Because waiver becomes a real issue. So if they, if you know that, you know, I say Tom, Dick, and Harry, let's just go with that. So if you know Tom, Dick, and Harry left the company and they all work competitively, but they didn't get enforced, um, then that's a good argument for, for waiver. And again, before you spend the dollar, maybe you can go to your employer and say, hey, so I understand that you haven't enforced it against these people. I'd like the same arrangement. Let's work this out. From the employer point of view, what's protected? Information that you give the employee, like high-level training. We're going to teach you how to be a technician. Um, They're generating leads. The only reason you met these sales leads are because they gave you the lead. The company owns the lead, and you can't go out and, and, and steal that information and use that for your own competitive disadvantage. So, And I think courts are, are really able to enforce it in the areas where you worked. So like if you're saying, if you if you touch Palm Beach County, they're going to enforce a restrictive covenant against you in Palm Beach County. It's probably not worth, quote unquote, trying to get out of it. Maybe you can negotiate your way out of it with money. And that, that was kind of the point I was making. If you, you know, not being able to afford an attorney is a real issue and there's access to legal advice, that's an issue. But maybe you could put some funds towards a buyout. And that happens a lot, right? Really? Yeah. How does that work? So and a new employer could offer the, – the, the, the employee who's being having the non-compete force against them could offer to pay money to be released or to offer to pay money to be released sooner. Or the new employer could work out a deal. I mean we see that quite often. Mm. What else should we know about non-competes? Well, don't sign them if you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure you understand what you're signing. And even if they come at you with the, the carrot, you just say, you know what? I'll wait. Let me get it reviewed. Yeah. And so I'm going to say something a little bold and we're in a podcast. So be bold, I'm going to be, be bold. bold. I'm going to be bold. What if you were to say to all your coworkers, 
Did you want to sign this non-compete? What if you and your coworkers had a conversation and said, we don't really think this is fair. Let's work together to figure out. I don't begrudge the company some legal protections, but telling me I can't work for three years seems a little off-putting. Why don't we work together and approach the company and try to bargain for a better, more fair, restrictive covenant? Um, Go full on Norma Ray, huh? So if you do that, the company really has a hard time saying no to everybody. And also, if you suffer any kind of consequence, like we're going to fire you if you keep doing this non-compete talk, Corey, um, you may very well be protected. That's protected activity. So I'm not suggesting you unionize over non-competes, but I do think employees have more power when their voices are combined and together. And um, that's exactly the kind of thing that can affect change. Nice. And change the power of many is the power of one. That's powerful. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? I want to give a special thanks to our special host, Corey Sabin. Thank you, Corey, for joining us and asking all the right questions. For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then. Mm -hmm.